David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the head. And he fell to the ground. I love you guys. Jairus Lyles and UMBC getting it done against the Virginia Cavaliers. Picking up action, under four minutes to play in the first half. We're tied at 16. This game was tight in the first half, and it's Lyles, their star, with the rainbow three. And the Retrievers go up by three. Now, they're up by two. Virginia trying to stay in it early. Sent it in Jerome. Ty Jerome ties it at 21. We'd be tied at 21 going into the break. Virginia's lowest scoring first half of the year. Now, early second half, UMBC up by three. Joe Sherburn from way downtown, good. They're up by six, now they're up by eight. And it's gonna be Sherburn, yet again. UMBC went 12 of 24 from downtown in the game and shot 19 of 28 in the second half, 68%. And here's Jordan Lyles. How often do you see this? Basically uncontested layups against the best defense in the country. I mean, awful defense from Virginia. Do not recognize this defense, especially in the second half. Six minutes left to go under that in the second. UMBC up 12. Lyles, the tough loader, game high 28, under four left to go, up 14. The steal. Arkel Lamar sitting in the corner, ready to hit the three. UMBC, time to start celebrating. And on the other side, shock and awe as Tony Bennett and company going home early. The top overall seed loses to a 16 for the first time in men's tournament history. Going into this one, number one seeds were 135 and 0. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The NCAA tournament never disappoints. Never, ever disappoints. And that's why, partner, it is the greatest single sporting event in the United States of America. I heard somebody that stole our line that says it's the holidays or Christmas in March, and we would like to take back ownership on that phrase. Welcome, listeners, to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Thank you always for tuning in where we're talking everything college hoops, and especially this time for March Madness. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio for powering us up. Bell Jar for taking us in and out. Thank you for carving out some time on your beautiful, glorious Monday we just got the finest weekend that we could ever hope for from March Madness. We're just going to say thank you, March Gods. Four days, partner. 48 games of college basketball. The tournament gave us memories that are going to last a lifetime. We have some buzzer beaters. We had drama. And, of course, the first number 16 seed to ever defeat a number one seed when the University of Maryland Baltimore County Retrievers out of the America East defeated number one Virginia. Look, I'm just going to say almost congratulations here because you were totally right church, wrong pew. That's the phrase. I was going to say it. That's it, man. (laughs) Number one, we had X get knocked out by Florida State, so you were just one game late on that. And then you said that 
maybe we would have a 16 defeat a one and we actually had it happen you just chose the wrong game you're so close mike randall on the quest for the perfect bracket well i appreciate that i do but partner while we're throwing bouquets out how yeah. about your nevada wolf pack how about Bam. it we've been on the wolf pack all year we have loved them we have loved their 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 their, their roster we love their coach we loved uh, you know cody martin running the point we love Caleb Martin shooting step back threes. But man, were we, I, I felt like we were miraged a little bit because of their injury issues coming in and operating without their trusted point guard, Lindsey Drew. But holy smokes, did they give us a ride or what to the Sweet 16? Down 22 against the number two defensively ranked team via Ken Palm, and they come all the way back? Who does that? And the thing is, I was with you. I love Nevada all year. I just got off the train when the injuries happened. You called it. You called it when Cody Martin went to point guard. You talked about the matchup. Well done. They've been tremendous. All of our fans out there who are Nevada fans, I salute you. Maybe I'll look up the fight song and sing it next time because I want to deliver on that. Nevada in the Sweet 16. Real quick rundown here, partner. Here are some of the highlights. First time ever, of course, a 16 defeated a one. For the eighth consecutive season, a first four team advanced past the opening round, this time Syracuse. Right. Two 13 seeds advanced. At least one 13 seed had defeated a four seed in 23 of 33 years. This year, Marshall and Buffalo did that. All the five seeds advanced for only the fifth time in 33 years. Shocking. Two number 11 seeds defeated six seeds. Predictable. Only one number eight seed won. Seton Hall. Okay, we'll get into that. Uh, two number one seeds gone. Two number two seeds gone. North Carolina, Cincinnati. Two number three seeds gone. Tennessee and Michigan State. That's a pretty good opening weekend. <laughs> I, I don't know what else we want from our sport drama wise. And, you know, we have the, the prices for the commercials in the Super Bowl are, are astronomical and rightly so. Um, everybody tunes into the World Series at some point. Um, you know, golf has its big events like the Masters coming up following March Madness. The, the NBA finals are always a must watch. But really, I'm not saying that our sport, college basketball, is the best sport. I'll say it is. I am saying without question, without defiance, like you cannot argue that this event is not the best sporting event that we can offer up as from the sports gods. This event never disappoints, like you said, in the lead in and is incredible and did the exact same thing that we hope it does every March. But this time it did it like to the nth degree. It was crazy this time. Listen, there are advantages and disadvantages of every single sport. I have argued all the time with the diehard NFL football fans that the reason the NFL is the number one sport in America in terms of viewership and all that stuff is there's only a 16-game regular season. I have Correct. said this, and I will continue to say it. If you Her played one NBA game between LeBron and Curry for the, for the NBA title, that would get the same ratings, if not better, than the Super Bowl. I still believe that. I don't care what anybody says. Ur urgency urgency of competition. Exactly. And when it comes to college basketball, the strength of the tournament is the reverse. You can have a bad Super Bowl. You can have blowouts in NFC, AFC championship games. But there are so many games in this tournament that eventually there'll be some good games, even if it's bad. And this opening weekend, we had a million great games. So many. And not even great games. Iconic games. Iconic Classic games. Iconic games. games. Yes. Like games that will be forever replayed every March and every lead-in. This 2018 tournament has given us those already 
and we're just the Sweet 16. Folks, we are going to go through in this podcast all 48 games that happened Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We had some scheduling things this weekend. We could not pod on Friday. I think next year moving forward, we're going to do that. So we sat around. We watched the games. We enjoyed it. We let them grow and 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 just, just blossom in front of your eyes. And now we're going to cover all 48 of these, and we're going to attempt to do that in under six and a half hours. So we're going to – Swiftly. We're going to we're going to fly through these games. Some games, Virginia, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, we'll spend a little bit more on, okay, than maybe Tennessee, Wright State. But we're going to go through them all really quick. We'll go in order that they happened on Thursday and Friday from the Times. Then we'll get to the Saturday, Sunday game and spend a little bit more time on that. So some of these games will be five minutes. Some of these games will be 20 seconds. You ready? I, I'm ready to try to give the people exactly what they want to listen to on a Monday. 12.15 p.m. on Thursday. It all kicked off. Number seven, Rhode Island, 83. Number 10, Oklahoma, 78 in overtime. It was a close game. Rams had a balanced offensive attack. They outlasted Trey Young, who had 28 points, five rebounds, and seven assists. E.C. Matthews led four Rams in double figures and hit two three-pointers in the extra period. This game was the appetizer for the rest of the tournament that you were going to imbibe the rest of the weekend. It was phenomenal. It was the absolute perfect kickoff to a fantastic 2018 college basketball season. And unfortunately, one of the most polarizing figures in college basketball and one of the most biggest talking points, Trey Young, only had a single ride. But if you're going to play URI and the A-10 champions, then that's what might happen if you're Trey Young in Oklahoma, even if you have an excellent coach and a coach that's kind of ready for things like Lon Kruger. 12.40 p.m., number three, Tennessee, 73, number 14, Wright State, 47. It was the biggest blowout of day one. Volunteers led by 13 and halftime never looked back. Junior Admiral Schofield and sophomore Grant Williams had a combined 29 points and 21 rebounds, while Lamont Turner continued the hot shooting with 19 points off the bench to lead all scorers. Grant Benzinger for the Raiders had only five points on two of 16 shooting. Listen, if your best player is going to have five points in the biggest point, biggest game of the year, that's exactly what's going to happen. And you know what? Give Coach Nagy another year. Maybe he gets this straight and gets Wright State back and uses this as a rallying point following years in the tournament. But you knew this was going to, you kind of knew this was coming, just not in this fashion with this big of a point spread. 1.30 p.m. game, number four, Gonzaga, 68, number 13, UNC Greensboro, 64. Gonzaga saw an early second-half 12-point lead quickly evaporate when UNC Greensboro led 64-62 with 105 left, but Zach Norvell Jr., the freshman, three-pointer, 21 seconds left, gave the NCAA finalists from last year the lead for good. They held off the Spartans 68-64. For the Spartans, junior guard Francis Alonzo and Demetrius Troy had 16 points each, and senior forward Jonathan Williams for the Zags, Led him with 19. Coach Mark Few's team overcame the uncharacteristic foul trouble from Rory Hashimura, which got me nervous here, Gus, when he had fouls. That's the thing that can't happen. Agreed. And I also think this just reflects back upon uh, Gonzaga's script in this tournament. Because they play their conference tournament so soon in the championship week uh, format, like they, they have you know a bunch of days off. And much like we talked about with the Big Ten, uh, I, I don't think I don't think this is like a mystery. They they've done this year after year. They've played kind of like questionably in that first game just because they're not sharp because they haven't played for almost o- o- over a week. Now, how good is Norvell? We talked about on the podcast a number of different times how I thought like Hachimura and Norvell were two of their three best players, and they did nothing but disprove that uh, this particular weekend. I know Rui not in this particular game, but in the following game, yes, and. 
we like to see when their backcourt doesn't have to do too much to win the game. And you love when Jonathan Williams, your senior leader, your anchor, is going to come up with a big game in a big moment. But, man, that shot from Norvell, like, that gets buried in the lead here. Like, there are so many other more impactful shots. There are so many more dynamic things that happened. That that, that shot is just going to get buried. The 2 o'clock p.m. game gave us a little scare here. Number one, Kansas 76. Number 16, UPenn 60. Quakers led 21-11. It was frisky with eight minutes left in the first half mm, before the, Jay- the Jayhawks came alive. They beat the Ivy League champion by 16. Big 12 player of the year, Devontae Graham, 29 points, six rebounds, six assists. Jayhawks move on. Devontae Graham obviously proved that he was the best player on the floor. Was this game kind of, like you mentioned, frisky early? And was this like a, a trendy like talking point? for pundits saying like, oh, this might be the 116 upset because Penn is underseeded and the Ivy League is underseeded. Sure. I think if it was Harvard, I think it'd be a different story. I think Harvard's uh, roster might actually match up a little bit finer with Kansas's, but I think Kansas proved it was number one seed for a reason and they cover the point spread and move on. Great job by the Jayhawks. And you wanted to see what they would do with a little diversity and uh, or difficulty in the first half. And they just kind of squashed that and then moved on during the second half. 2.45 p.m., number two, Duke 89, Iona, number 15 seed, Iona, 67. Blue Devils cruise behind ACC Player of the Year, Marvin Bagley. Bagley, 22 points, and Trayvon Duvall had 19 points and eight assists. Duke shot 13 of 30, which is 43% from three-point range and 53% from the field overall. What if Duvall plays this way the rest of the tournament? That's really intriguing. If he's going to play that efficiently and that uh, cohesively with the rest of his teammates and not be an anchor on the offensive end and actually be really active and really efficient, then, boy, this Duke team could win the whole darn thing. And I think that was shown uh, this past weekend for sure. The 3:10 p.m. game gave us our first upset of Thursday. Number 11, Loyola Chicago 65, number 6, Miami 62 in Dallas, Texas. Senior guard Dante Ingram's three-pointer with one second left put Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean past Miami. <laughs> it gave the Ramblers for the lead for the first time in the second half. Freshman Lonnie Walker's missed one-in-one free throw, which, by the way, Gus, hung on that rim for quite a long time. With, sure did. With nine seconds left, set up Ingram's heroic shot. Well, I think the thing, I think the one thing to chat about here is Lonnie Walker, who is arguably a lottery pick in the um, upcoming uh, 2018 uh, NBA draft in June, absolutely had a horrendous final minute. He experienced a turnover, which gave uh, Loyal Chicago the ball back and then missed that free throw that you said hung on the rim forever. And those two miscues set up and framed this beautiful upset that you always hope that you see in March for Loyola Chicago. One of the most endearing stories with Sister Jean, you know, the sister that that, that comes and, and, and talks to the team and every single player went over and hugged her after this game. It was really emotional. It was really touching. And I think that's the reason why we love this sport and we love moments like this. But man, if you're a walker, that is a tough final minute to swallow. Uh, as as like the the best player on the floor. I mean, we just talked about uh, uh, we just talked about Graham with Kansas, and you were hoping that Walker had an, uh, experienced a similar moment like that, but absolutely not. He experienced the absolute par- uh, absolute polar opposite of that uh, with Miami and Miami early exit, and like you and Brad Evans said, Loyola Chicago marches on. Yeah, and Lonnie did some nice things in this game, too. It's unfair that it fell on his shoulders. But he was making plays. Sure. And you, you recall that he had been hot very. He had been hot lately, end of the season, really started playing right. well. He passes the eye test. When he shoots, it looks good. So Lonnie Walker's going to be fine. Can't be on his shoulders. But at the end of the game, you know, a couple mistakes there did set up the three-pointer. 
Four o'clock game, number five, Ohio State, 81, number 12, South Dakota, 73. Interesting game, Gus, in that the Buckeyes were up 61-48 with under 12 minutes left. It yep. looked like they were in control, right? And then? And then the Jackrabbits stormed back to tie the game yep. 70-70 with a minute 53 left. And then Cam Williams, you know, the suspended Cam Williams earlier this year, hits a four-point play followed yep. by making all three free throws to give yep. the Buckeyes the advantage they moved on. Summit League Player of the Year Mike Dom did lead all scores, however, 27 points, 5 of 10 from three-point range. South Dakota State did shoot 13 of 31, which is 42% from beyond the arc, but Kata Bates-Diab had 24 points and led three Buckeyes with 20-plus points in the game. Three points here for me. Number one, Dom played absolutely fantastic against the Big Ten Player of the Year in Kata Bates-Diab. So I don't think any scouting that was there in the stands is thinking anything differently about him as far as his NBA prospects go. Number two, this will be remembered as the Cam Williams game for sure. You mentioned his dynamic play and his uh, signature getting fouled on three-pointers during the final minute here because this was this was a one-possession game with under a minute to go, which was really amazing and just what you want from March. And then the, the last thing is if Jenkins as your second-best player, as your Robin, for the Jackrabbits, is going to shoot four for whatever he shot, like four for 16, like really inefficient, then you're you're not going to win this game as an upset. You need your Robin to play, not out of his head, but at least efficiently. And Jenkins didn't do that and was all on Dom's shoulders. And even with that, they were still able to keep it close within the final minute. And this touches on a theme, Gus, that we will talk about throughout this podcast. My initial reaction when I was watching the game, I talked to you about this when we met up, is mm-hmm. why didn't South Dakota State slow it down this hmm. is what they do. They stay true to who they are. We will touch on this theme several times through. So I'm right. sort of like, you know, putting it out there to let it ruminate. Great coaches, great teams stay true to who they are. The Jackrabbits, this is how they want. They're going to pull up from three when it's a tie game and no one's under the basket. That's what they do. They stay true to it. But Ohio State sneaks it out. And if it wasn't for the way they play Gus, they wouldn't have got back in the game in the first place. So I think I kind of take that back, what I said to you, to be honest. And and one of the things that I took away from this, this amazing weekend is that I think we're seeing a shift. And I think we're seeing a slow it shift slowly. The college game forever has been a, a coach's game where the coaches call the plays from the sideline. They call the quick hitters. They call the sets. They'll call a timeout in a crucial situation. And I think we're seeing a shift. I think we're seeing a little bit more freedom given to the players Definitely. from the coaches. Definitely. And I also think we're, we're seeing a little bit more freedom on shot selection, plays run, and, and, and players can, you know, like Lyle from UMBC, can shake off a play and go ahead and run when he wants to run because he sees something that the coach doesn't see on the floor. So I think we're seeing a shift. It's slowly coming down to the college game from the NBA. And I think, uh, you know, the Jackrabbits is a perfect example of that shift. Like you mentioned, they jacked up those threes, and that's the way they played. And and to be honest, that's the way that a bunch of other people are going to play, and that's the way that some of these upsets that we're going to be talking about later happened. 4.30 p.m. game. This one annoys the heck out of me. Most annoyed I was the entire <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Number sorry. eight, Seton Hall, 94. Number nine, NC State, 83. Kadeen Carrington took over, 26 points. He had five, led five Pirates in double figures. They cruised to this win. Seton Hall made 31 of 39 free throws in a foul-filled game that produced 53 total fouls. 30 Many. by NC State. Sophomore center, Omer Yurtsevin. I talked about him. He only played 14 minutes before he fouled out with two points. If you tell me Yurtsevin had two points, I would have said Seton Hall would have won very annoying game but nice one for seton hall yeah i think yurt's been like actually like discovered like oh wow angel delgado was a, is a man like i i need some more i have some more work to do if i'm going to go to the nba and i'm going to face a guy like this every night 
Like, I think that was very apparent there. And by the way, Carrington played by the best, like the best player on the floor, hands down. Like, it wasn't even a discussion. The fact that you have your senior point guard just actually take the game in his hands and 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 put it to bed. Love that you see that from the Pirates. Uh, and he carried that on the next game for sure. He 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 tried to do the exact same thing against Kansas. Moving up, moving forward. 6.50 p.m., number one, Villanova, 87, number 16, Radford, 63. Not much to talk about here. Villanova jumped out early. They cruised to a 24-point victory. Six Villanova players in double figures, and Villanova shot 14 of 27 from three-point range. You kind of felt this coming. You thought maybe Radford would keep it live the first half, but when you have a 116, in most cases, <laughs> right. this, is, this, is, this, this is what's going to happen. And I, I think Villanova showed on the offensive end why they're so gifted and, and – uh, so Villanova, great win. Radford, congratulations on getting your NCAA win and moving on and representing. And you love that Carly Jones and uh, Jalen Brunson actually got to match up. So that's going to be a memory for Carly Jones for a while. 7, 10 p.m., number five, Kentucky, 78, number 12, Davidson, 73. This game went exactly as I thought it would. Kentucky, totally. did, Kentucky didn't make a three-pointer the entire game. Kentucky was 0 of 6 from three-point range in this game, but they still held off Davidson because they held Davidson to 33.3% from beyond the arc, and they shot 26 of 33 from the free-throw line. The freshman backcourt, Kevin Knox and Shai Gildas-Alexander had 44 points and 14 rebounds. Oh, by the way, the spread was 5. Shai Gildas-Alexander is going to play like that. This Kentucky team's totally live, totally dangerous. He played exactly like Cal's been hoping he would play all season. He is part of the shift that we talked about earlier. He is a dynamic guard that can find creases in the zone, in uh, in man-to-man, and force the defense to make decisions, and then he makes decisions off of the defensive decisions that he was forced them to make. And then it's not bad when you have a guy like Knox that you can kick it to on the baseline for his nice uh, 15-footer or his floater, and then boom, that, that happens. And then you have a whole bunch of active athletes for offensive rebounds. I, I'm so annoyed that like I didn't choose this Kentucky team to move forward. They are playing right at the right time, and you know, kudos to Cal for getting it right. Yeah, and Cal, pipe down with the seeding, okay? You weren't even ranked right. like three weeks ago, and he's complaining. Right. He, thinks, he thinks if he wins the SEC tournament, they should be a two seed. That's not true, but, Cal. But, you weren't even ranked, okay? And now, after this bracket falls apart, you're looking, right? at, <laughs> you're looking at potentially a path to the Final Four of 12-seeded Davidson, 13-seeded Buffalo, 9-seeded Kansas State, and the winner of 11 Loyola Chicago versus 7 Nevada. I'm not saying right. that those teams are bad. What I'm saying is, right. pipe down, Cal. The 5C was fine. I thought you got screwed a little bit the year before when you got seated, where they got seated behind Gus, who was in the SEC, that they beat in the game and then got seated behind them. Uh, was that the Florida year? No. No, somebody they, – they, they basically got seated behind – it could have – maybe it was Florida. Maybe Florida got a four, they got a five, whatever it was. That's what it is. Pipe down, Cal. Your seat is fine. Yeah, I, I think he likes where he's sitting right now. But, yeah, I'll tell you what. This Kentucky was really impressive. But Davidson was equally as impressive, and you called it this game was going to be live from the start, and that's exactly what happened. 720 game, number six, Houston 67, number 11, San Diego State 65. This was the Rob Gray game. And again, I put this out on Twitter, and I will say it again. Rob Gray should have been the player in the year in the America Athletic Conference. Enough. I don't want to hear about Gary Clark. He may be the best humanitarian in the world. He may be the guy you want to babysit your children, and he may throw great bounce passes from the, from the nail to the box. Rob Gray is the best player. He had 39 points in this game. He hit a game-winning layup in traffic, 1.1 seconds left, gave the Cougars their first NCAA win since 1984. Oh, by the way, by Slamajama. And he was the only Houston player in double figures, Gus. Talk about carrying your team. 
not only did he have more than his team's points, he righted the wrong that he had in the championship game in his conference tournament where he had a chance at the buzzer to go ahead and make that happen on a very similar play. This play against uh, San, Diego, uh, San Diego State, he got it right and nailed it. Love when a player goes off and love when a player has an iconic game exactly like Rob Gray had here. And yeah, I think in Houston history, this will be remembered as the Rob Gray game. 7.27 p.m. game, number three, Texas Tech, 70, number 14, Stephen F. Austin, 60. This game was much closer than the final score indicated. The Ra- sure. Red Raiders needed 19 second-half points from senior guard Keenan Evans to get past them. Evans was one of only two Texas Tech players to score in double figures. He was a perfect 10 for 10 from the free-throw line, and the Red Raiders were helped by out-rebounding Lumberjacks 41-31 on the boards. I think when you have a game like this, I think this is exactly the way you think it's going to go. Stephen has... F. Austin is definitely limited athletically, uh, roster-wise, against Texas Tech. Texas Tech has a bunch of sneaky athletes. You know, we mentioned uh, Zaire Smith. Uh, Zach Smith is sneaky athletic. And, of course, Keenan Evans has proved to have been an absolute stud during this tournament and somebody that you cannot stop off the penetration. So, Stephen F. Austin, Lumberjacks, man, you guys played unbelievably well. But if you're going to play one of the top, I don't know, six, seven, eight best players in the country, and he plays that well, then that's what's going to happen. Hit the nightcap, the four games here. 920 game, number nine, Alabama, 86. Number eight, Virginia Tech, 83. Colin Sexton, John Petty had 45 points. This is the John yeah. Petty game. Alabama yep. upset them, 86-83. Petty, six of eight from three-point range. Sexton, 21 points of his 24 in the second half. Justin Robinson did a nice job for Virginia Tech with 19 points. I think this goes back to the best player on the floor argument that we often have, like who you're going to choose. I, I like Buzz a little bit better than than Avery Johnson as as a head coach, just because of the experience in the college game and the experience and success that he's had at multiple stops, including Virginia Tech and Marquette. But I, Colin Sexton is awesome. He is uncontainable off the dribble at the top. He's really, really tough to deal with, and especially in transition. Um, and he did nothing to disprove that against Villanova as well. Yeah. I, 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 I'm so happy he had a chance to get into the tournament and Alabama had a chance to like showcase him in the tournament. And I'm glad they actually won a game. I'm glad it wasn't a one-and-done situation like Porter or, or Trey Young. The 940 game, number 13, Buffalo, 89, number 4, oh, Arizona, oh. 68. In many, oh, man. in many ways, Gus, and I will clarify this later on, this yeah. was the most surprising game to me of the weekend. Mm. Mid-America Conference regular season and tournament champion Buffalo trounced the Pac-12 regular season and tournament champion Wildcats 89-68. Buffalo 50%, 15 of 30 from beyond the arc. Wes Clark Sr. had 25 points. C.J. Massenburg 19 points, including five threes. Arizona shot a horrific 11.1% from three-point range. That's two of 18. And their defensive-minded team gave up 49 second-half points to the hot shooting bulls. This is part of the shift. We talked about uh, the shift earlier and and how differences are going to be starting to take place in the college game. This is one of those. When you have a team like Buffalo that has players that can find creases in defense, and, and, you know, Arizona is a – is, is a borderline pack line defense, but they don't play it as well as Virginia, obviously. But you have somebody like Wes Clark that can go explore those creases, and then you have shooters around them like Harris and Massenburg, um, even Jordan, and even you know Perkins will jack a couple up, uh, their, their bench player. And, and, and those guys are going to get open looks, and the pack defense is not going to spread out and hustle to run those guys off the three-point line. Then, boom, you have success. 
We all like this Buffalo team coming. I talked about this Buffalo team on the Mid-Major podcast multiple times, and for good reason. Uh, and Wes Clark really was a difference maker here as far as penetrating, uh, l- you know, probing, looking for creases, uh, and he found a ton of those, and he got a ton of open shots. They shot 50% from the three-point line in this game, and that was one of the major reasons why that they pulled the big upset here. And also... Did you get this? Did you get this vibe? I have a I have this vibe on a couple of other teams that we'll mention later on in the in in the bracket. Did you get the vibe from from Arizona that they just weren't into playing with each other? They weren't, and and I worried about this. I really hated this bracket, Gus. I hated mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I hated picking it. I didn't right. like Cincinnati down screen back screen. Okay, I didn't like Virginia without DeAndre Hunter. I didn't like Kentucky because they just don't have an identity. I didn't like Arizona. I leaned with Arizona because of Aiton. I leaned with mm-hmm. Arizona because they won eight or nine in a row, and they won the Pac-12 tournament. And I thought Aiton would be the difference maker. I understand Parker Jackson Cartwright is not a great guard. I thought Trier would do some decent things, but you know I understand now why Arizona fans really just get frustrated with him. And Raleigh Hawkins, I thought, was a difference maker. But Sean Miller did not adjust. Dusan Ristic has got to get the hell off the floor. He's running around chasing these guards and wherever Ristic, whoever he's guarding is bombing from three. Go to a zone, make an adjustment. He never did. And, and Buffalo just drilled it over and over again. Every shot they, that went up in the second half, I thought was going in. If you're going to go ahead and play with two bigs, like you mentioned with Ristic and Aiden, then you have to do something on the defensive end to account for how Buffalo is going to play and shift you small. Like you can't, you can't expect you Fine, Aiton is, is a little better better with his feet shuffling around uh, on switches on the defensive end. If he gets switched out on, on on a wing or a guard, he can actually like you know manage that you know movement and space a little bit better than Rissa can. Rissa cannot deal with that. So if you're gonna do that, then why not just camp him out down low or, or like you said, go to a zone. Like it's it's silly to ask him to go ahead and defend on the perimeter, and then that's where a bunch of the breakdowns came, and then you have them shooting fifty percent from three. 950 game, number three, Michigan 61, number 14, Montana 47. Funny game. Uh, Montana was up 10 nothing uh, before the Big Ten tournament champs uh, uh-huh. woke up and got cooking, and they pulled away from the Grizzlies and won by 14. Charles Matthews had a game, 20 points, 11 rebounds. I think that's really, I think that it's really simple here. I, I think the layoff was shown during that 20, uh, that, I'm sorry, during that 10-0 gap that Montana jumped out on. Yeah, the layoff I, definitely made teams rusty, Purdue and Michigan, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and I, I think early on in the game. Now, did they adjust later on? Yes, absolutely. But I, I don't think it's hard, So matter, no matter how you're going to run your practice, no matter what kind of uh, urgency you're going to create uh, in practice to try to re, you know replicate a uh, game site situation, it's not going to be the same, and especially not going to be the same if you're trying to like forecast what the environment or what the atmosphere is going to be during March Madness in the 2018 uh, uh, NCAA tournament. So I think that's the only hiccup that those teams had uh, in the Big Ten, and, and, and we saw that oh, Ohio State advanced, we saw that Michigan State advanced, and we saw that Purdue advanced, and of course we saw that Michigan advanced in the first round. So I don't think that's going to be something that they will use as an excuse moving forward in the first round. Let's wrap up Thursday, 957 game, number 6, Florida 77, number 11, St. Bonaventure 62. Senior Igor Kolachov, 20 points, made four three-pointers, led the Gators past the Bonnies. Bonnies usually shoot well from three, shooting 38.6% on the year, only shot three of 19 from beyond the arc, and failed to advance despite winning that playing game. Lots of times we, you know, you and I have talked about a, a number of different times. I'm like, wow, 
that guy played really well. He played really well, and you know what? He's probably going to make himself some money, whether it be in getting a, an NBA camp invite or maybe moving up in the draft or something along those lines. And I think, unfortunately, for the Bonnies, Jalen Adams had the total, complete opposite experience here. I think that he did not play as well as he played all season and kind of like, wow, I was totally expecting this guy, the eight, you know, the co-A-10 player of the year, um, to go out and ball out, and that's exactly what he did not do. And Florida, when you're the good Florida, and you are you know got Kolachev hitting threes and, and Chioza doing things on the defensive end, um, that, that's what happens, and that's what Florida looks like. And I think some of uh, Jalen Adams' shortcomings did have to do with Chioza on the defensive end. All right, let's move on to the Friday games, partner. 12-15 kicks it off. The uh, picture that I tweet out there, that was a gin martini. Some people are asking me. Jim martini, 12-15 p.m., number 7, Texas A&M, 73, number 10, Providence, 69. Uh, d- the Aggies won despite not scoring their first basket until the 13-27 mark of the first half. Uh, they, how did this happen? <laughs> they, they cooled off Providence. They out-rebounded Providence. That's how it happened. 44-26. They offset 15-26 from the free throw line. So, again, just out-rebounded them. Really didn't shoot well. Robert Williams, I'm glad he woke up. 13 points, 14 rebounds, and an impressive windmill dunk. That windmill duck uh, hopefully will get replayed over and over and over again if you haven't seen it yet. I mean, uh, go do yourself a favor and just enjoy it like, I don't know, like 12 times in a row. That'd be fantastic. Uh, And Texas A&M, interestingly enough, follows through and actually executes and gets it done with the two bigs on the floor. Unlike we said, you know, very dissimilar from Arizona, who couldn't get it done with the two bigs on the floor against a very similar team. It's not like Providence is going to run out two bigs. They have a whole bunch of perimeter players that are really uh, really skilled. Uh, Cartwright, Bullock, Diallo, all of those guys are, are, are great players. Um, you know, all Big East type performer type players. But uh, yeah, you figure Providence would be able to hold on to that early lead, but uh, Texas A&M just kind of cracked back, cracked back, cracked back and did like and got back in the game and then actually made some impactful plays uh, uh, down towards the end. And, man, they, they yeah, they played with a little bit of purpose. Yeah, Providence was hot and got cooled off by a team that really hasn't played well the entire year. Very bizarre outcome there. 12.40 p.m., number two, Purdue 74, number 15, Cal State Fulton 48. Pretty much here, have Carson Edwards, will travel, will move on to the second round. The only oh. the big win, but the only thing that came here was a price, Gus. Seven foot two, 290 pound senior Isaac Haas broke his right elbow after crashing to the floor and is now out for the rest of the NCAA tournament, marring what should have been a very nice opening round win. Like, are we going to talk about like the absolute toughness uh, that's instilled in this team? The fact that he still wanted to play with a broken limb? Yep. Like, is that insane or what? He tried to like navigate away. With some sort of like I, I I don't know like some sort of brace uh, that and, and you know obviously tons of stim and 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 ice uh, to get on the playing field and, and and find his way to the court for the second round game, I think that was kind of inspiring and I bet that remains an inspiration moving forward for them. Uh, yeah, but really impressive win against Cal State Fullerton. We thought that maybe that game would be a little bit closer than it was, and it certainly was not. It really hurts them moving forward, and I hate the injuries, Gus. I hate them. They. Oh. they I know with football it happens and it's acceptable, but with basketball it's devastating. You're only playing five at one time. Haas was so valuable. He had played so well. I think he's national most improved player of the year. 
Just a devastating injury. And listen, we were talking with Dr. Tony. He thinks if Matt Harms plays well, they're going to be fine. They're not going to be fine. They're not. It's, not, be, the, it's not the same thing. It's, it's not, not the same, same thing. thing. Harms is a freshman. He's coming off the bench. It hurts their depth. Just a shame. I wish he could have played, but it's a shooting elbow. 1.30 p.m. game. Enjoyed this one thoroughly. Number 13, Marshall, 81. Number 4, Wichita State, 75. The divorce is complete. The Thundering Herd won their first NCAA tournament game partner ever behind John Elmore's 27 points. Uh, he was the, they used the conference tor- tournament USA victory as a springboard here, and they held the Shockers to 27.6% from three point range despite getting out rebounded 44 to 30. This celebration was unfortunately delayed, however, because of excessive reviews. This tweet from Tim Burke at Bubba Progue, okay, Bubba Progue, P-R-O-G, the, fi- the final minute of Marshall Wichita State took 18 minutes and 26 real seconds. Again, the final minute of Marshall Wichita State took 18 minutes, 26 seconds, the longest they've ever recorded in an NCAA tournament. You can't do that, Gus. They should be stunned. This was a nice win for Marshall. That's unacceptable. That needs to be rectified, and it needs to be rectified by next year in a hurry. There has to be some other avenue that they can travel down to get these reviews and all of these things correct. Gus, it it doesn't matter if you get it right if it takes that long. It doesn't matter to me. If it's that close, whatever. It's 50-50. It's not get it right at all costs. 18 minutes for a minute? Ah. Humans are playing the game. Humans are coaching the game. Humans are watching the game. Humans are officiating the game. You're going to have the human element in there. It's okay if it lives, but it's not okay if it's 18 minutes. Thank you. Live with the live with the human element during these times of like I don't know of of meaningful uh, result and 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 then just move on. Like get over yourself. You're not that important. Like let other humans enjoy the moment. Get it right. Get it better. Improve it. I don't have the answer right now, and we're not going to talk about it on this particular podcast, but it needs to be rectified, and it needs to be rectified moving forward next season. Two really quick things, Gus. One, Wichita State, no defense. Defense is over 100th in the country. They used to be top 10 every single year. Secondly, can everybody pipe down about how they got a four seed now that they moved to the AAC? They also had a kick-ass non-conference a schedule. If they had that non-conference schedule and played in the Missouri Valley, they would still get a really good seed. Okay, so the similar, move, the move to the AAC didn't change it. Okay, I, I hate that. It, it, it's their 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 a non-conference schedule, and they played in the AAC. And oh, by the way, they didn't even win the AAC, and they probably could have won with Loyola Chicago, maybe the Missouri Valley. 2 p.m., number two, Cincinnati, 68, number 15, Georgia State, 53. Jaron Cumberland, sophomore guard, went nuts, 27 points, 11 rebounds. Bearcats pulled away late. Yeah, you kind of like to see Simmons go off there for Georgia State and keep it live and, and play really well. He got out hot and made a couple threes early, but then you know faltered from uh, long distance later on in the game. Uh, and you kind of felt like this was the way that this Cincinnati team was going to play because as they've exhibited all season, they don't lose – to bad teams. The only four losses that they had this particular year were to ranked teams Houston, uh, Wichita, uh, Xavier, and Florida. So I don't think they were going to get tripped up here by Georgia State. 2.45 p.m. game, number two, North Carolina, number 16, Limpscomb, 66. Tar Heels raced out to uh, end of the first half lead, never looked back. They beat him by 18. Junior guard Kenny Williams, 18 points, led five North Carolina players in double figures. Yeah, that, that betting line was pretty live, right? That, 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 that was really intriguing the whole entire time. Yeah, Vegas had a good weekend, my friend. <laughs> they, Vegas they, were they, spot on they, a lot of these games. 
They sure did. I think this is very similar, a very similar script to the, the Cincinnati game where you felt like uh, UNC uh, was playing a similar style that Limscombe wanted to play, and that's like a recipe for disaster. If you have conflicting styles, then maybe you have a chance and to maybe enforce your will on the game. But it's not like UNC had to enforce their will on the game. They were just going to go out and do their thing, and they did their thing to the tune of eight, uh, 84 points. 3:10 p.m. game number 10 Butler 79 number 7 Arkansas 62 I guess Vegas knows they made Butler the one and a half point favorite Keelan Martin and Kamar Baldwin boy were you right on Kamar Baldwin I undersold him you were right Love he him. is tremendous oh my goodness and, yet, and guess what guess what he's going to come back next year and be a beast I hope so hope he doesn't declare we've seen worse players declare torch the he will, he will not he will I not. hope not torch the Razorbacks for 51 points Bulldogs made 11 three-pointers and held Arkansas to 22.2%, 4 of 18 from beyond the arc. Daryl Macon and Jalen Barford, senior backcourt, combined 7 of 21 from the field and 3 of 12 from three-point range. So we're, we're okay with, with Baldwin on the defensive end, right? Oh, my maybe, God. Maybe he can improve like some three-point shooting percentages. And by the way, we're, we're okay with Coach Jordan, right? Butler fans, we're, we're okay with that? We're we're fine with him like getting an NCAA win and playing really well in the Big East uh, this whole entire year. So you're in good shape again, man. Do you just hire a good coach after a good coach or what? Dang, Butler Bulldogs! Congratulations. Kamar Baldwin is everything Quentin Gooden wish he wishes he was. Four o'clock PM game number five West Virginia eighty five number twelve Murray State sixty eight. Javon Carter put on a show. Gus twenty one points, five rebounds, eight assists, six steals as they cruise past Murray State. Mountaineers jumped out to an eleven to nine lead with eleven thirty left in the first half and never trailed again. Murray State uh, West Virginia held Murray State senior Jonathan Stark. He had nine points to one of twelve from the field and one of ten from three point range. How much does Carter enjoy and look forward to playing big-time guards? He enjoyed every single moment playing against Keenan Evans. He enjoyed every single moment against playing uh, playing against Trey Young. He enjoys every single moment against playing playing against like Devon Carter, like uh, playing against Devon, uh, Devonte Graham. Like, no offense, but Jonathan Stark. Like you were probably the sixth best point guard he played against this year. So this he was like licking his chops at this point. So as much as we liked the, the you know the matchup and we thought that maybe that Murray State could keep it close, if we go back and take a look at it and be real, really reflective on it, I, I think Javon Carter was just like, yeah, I got this, no problem. That's a great point about the guards, Gus. Very good. 4.30 p.m. game. We had the pleasure of watching this together. Number seven, Nevada in overtime. Oh. 87-83 over number 10, Texas. Wolfpack rally from a 14-point second-half deficit. You ain't seen nothing yet, by the way. To right. defeat, to defeat the Longhorns in OT. Kendall Stevens, with all the injuries, led Nevada in scoring with 22 points, 5-11 from three-point range. Freshman center Mo Bamba was disrupting the entire game. Texas led for most of this game. He had 13 points grabbed 14 rebounds and had three blocks before a critical foul, which fouled him out at the end of regulation. What a comeback. What a win for Nevada. Can we just congratulate Jordan Caroline? Can we just give him kudos? Can we give him applause? Can we say he is one of the toughest SOBs in this whole entire tournament? He was matched up against that monster, that future lottery pick in Mo Bamba, 
all night. And you know what he did? He drove at him relentlessly. You know what he did with him? He boxed him out every single time on the defensive end. Do you know what he did with him? He was completely undersized and absolutely played him to a complete standstill. He is the reason that Nevada had moved on to this uh, to the following round. We, you know, I know you, I know you champion Kendall Steves. I, and Cody played great. He had, uh, he had 15 points in this game and filled stat sheet. But I'm telling you what. Even though Jordan Caroline did not have the biggest impact uh, as far as rebound and points go, man, did he play like a man against Mo Bamba. He certainly did. And late in that game, he was very, very smart. Mo Bamba's not taking a charge. We know that. So he mm-hmm. buried his shoulder into oh, Bamba. And the so only smart. way that's going to be so called smart. a foul is if he falls. And he's not going to. He created space and he was able to score. Excellent point. Jordan Caroline, wonderful player. Great game. Great win. Uh, 650 game number nine, Kansas State 69, number eight, Creighton 59. We were both surprised by this one. They didn't have Dean Wade, first team, Mm. all Big 12 player, leading scorer for the Wildcats. No problem. Mm. They shot 47.4%, nine of 19 from three point range. They got by Creighton. They held leading scorer and former Kansas State player Marcus Foster, who both of us thought was probably going to play well, to five points on two of 11 shooting from the field and one of seven from three point range. That may be his worst game all season curious unbelievably curious uh two things from this game number one the game was totally played at kansas state's pace uh creighton likes to get up and down they like to get into the 80s they were definitely negate they uh kansas state definitely negated that and also if you have like that cool one-on-one matchup like brown and foster like sometimes that's what's going to happen sometimes one player just dominates that matchup and i think that's what brown did here and and uh, kansas state unbelievable job obviously moving forward like Totally crazy. Kudos to that. Kudos, kudos to them. Uh, and go purple. Seven ten game number three. Michigan State eighty two. Number fourteen. Bucknell seventy eight. Uh, sophomore Miles Bridges did his thing. Twenty nine points, and he outdueled Bucknell senior forward Zach Thomas, who had twenty seven points. Spartans beat the Bison by four. They offset Bucknell's hot shooting from three point range. Bucknell was fifty five percent, eleven of twenty from deep, with a forty to twenty eight rebounding advantage and a twenty one to thirteen assist advantage. This game was not as close as the score indicated because Bucknell closed it late, but they did shoot well. They hung around, and Zach Thomas had a fantastic game. Zach Thomas had a great game, and then even though he fouled out with, I don't know, four or five, maybe six minutes to go, uh, great move by great move by the Bucknell coach keeping him in because, like, what else are you going to do? You're going to really you're really going to sit him during that crucial point in the game. So why not just leave him in and give your give your uh, team a chance to win? I love that move on his part. And then even after he fouled out, Bucknell did not stop playing the entire night. They did not quit that final two minutes, even though they were down double digits. They kept fouling and playing. Uh, let's make a three. Let's make a quick two. Let's make get a let's get a missed free throw here. And they actually closed and covered which was pretty interesting. And Bucknell really represented uh, the, the Patriot League fantastically. And I tell you what, you know how we talked about how uh, uh, maybe Jalen Adams didn't make a whole bunch of money during this run? I, I, I think Zach Thomas might have made himself some money and at least got an invite to an NBA camp somewhere after this performance. If you're going to play against that front line of Michigan State and put up 27 points and then play so physical that you foul out, I, I think somebody's going to give you an invite and give you a shot. 7.20 p.m. game, the right church, wrong pew game. Xavier, number one, <laughs> right. 102, number 16, Texas Southern, 83. Folks, I was excited. It was 20 to 13. I was fired up. The problem is if you have one of these upsets, which we'll get to momentarily, you need to have some things go in your favor. What you cannot have happen 
is have Xavier be on fire from three-point range in the first half, shooting 9 of 15. J.P. Makura had a career-high 29 points. He was killing it. Trayvon Blewett added 26. That can't happen. Texas Southern played hard. They did some nice things. They closed at 12 at the half. But in the end, you can't have them shooting that hot from three, got into some foul trouble, and Xavier wins comfortably. I thought once J.P. Mercura got going and maybe got things rolling, like this is the best I've seen him play like kind of all season Agreed. since I've seen Hall game. Agreed, yeah. You felt like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe Xavier's just going to have this thing rolling and they're going to just roll forward and, and, and like not have an issue as the one seed. Um, so I th- felt like that was pretty impressive, and, and I agree with the open threes. They were just killing open threes. Uh, Texas Southern was not closing at the three-point line and trying to run them off. And if you're not going to run off, like, I don't know, Trayvon Blewett or, or J.B. Mercura or, you know, Gates, who can shoot it really well from three, or even Cantor, then guess what? They're going to make, you know, 40%, or in this case, over 50%, and that's what happened. And then Texas Southern did not quit on this game at all. We saw the whole entire second half. They were competing like heck to bring it back, to bring it within single digits, get it to within 12. They were not quitting on this game, so you love the fight that the SWAC team, Texas Southern, put up in this game. 7.27 p.m., number four, Auburn 62, College of Charleston 58. Fort-seeded Tigers continued their cold shooting ways on the road. They were 5 of 24, which is 20.8% from three-point range, but they still held off Charleston by four. Jared Harper didn't score the entire game until he broke a 56-56 tie with a three-pointer with about a minute left to go. Huge shot. Gigantic shot. Jarrell Brantley and Grant Riller combined for 40 of the Cougars' 58 points in the loss. You wanted to just like rub your eyes with this game because this game was filled, absolutely filled with missed three-pointers and turnovers. This was like one of like the most least pleasing games to watch. Um, You were rooting for the upset to happen because of all the missed shots and all the turnovers. And Charleston had a chance. Brantley missed a couple from the line and missed a bunny. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned Harper's gigantic shot with under a minute to play. Uh, that's what big players do. They make gigantic shots even when they're having an off night. He had one point in the game leading up to that shot, which was really impactful, r- unbelievably pers- purposeful on his end. Um, so, yeah, Auburn does what they do. You, you were rooting for the upset. I was rooting for the upset. Um, but Auburn and the Tigers move on. And here it is, Gus, 9.20 p.m., number 16, UMBC, 74, number one, Virginia, 54. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? One of, in the most seed-wise, shocking upset in NCAA tournament history, the 16-seeded retrievers crushed the Cavaliers by 20. Senior guard Jarris Lyles led all scores with 28 points. He was slicing and dicing Virginia's half-court pack line defense in the second half. I think he only had three points in the first half. Virginia shot 41% from the field. 18.2% from the three-point line and 50% from the free-throw line. Just so uncharacteristic. Retrievers shot a season-high 54.2% from the field for a team against Virginia, and they did it against the top defensive team in the country. History happened. I I don't understand. But here's another part of the shift that we were talking about. If you're going to be one of these teams that's going to play undersized – like UMBC, like Marshall against uh, Wichita State, uh, like Buffalo, 
then you need a difference maker that is going to constantly find openings and and constantly uh, you know you know uh, go chop chop and promptly into the lane and then you know do something in the lane with a ball whether it be create contact or find an open shooter on the outside uh, they've surrounded uh, the retriever surrounded Lyle with a couple of shooters on the outside and all they did was take open threes the the, the cavaliers were just so slow afoot to get out and cover and run those shooters off the three-point line. And if you're going to pull an upset like this, then you have to launch some threes. You have to do something different that's going to give you an advantage and at least make the other team think about it. And that's exactly what the Retrievers did here. They launched, they hit, and then once you're Virginia, think about this. It Once you're Virginia and you get down double digits in the second half, aren't you panicking yourself as a Virginia Cavalier player? Because you know your construct as a team is not equipped to come back from double digits. Your, 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 your baseline and, and, and all of your fundamentals and the, and the structure of your team is not built to build a big comeback. You cannot get down double digits if you're UVA, That's correct. no matter who you're playing. And that you saw that panic sneak in on their players, and every single pass was tight. Every single three-pointer was tight. Every offensive move was second-guessed by each individual player, and you saw that happen in real time. A lot of things here. First, I'll go to the comment that got Dr. Tony and I arguing via text message. Yes, I understand that this was historic. And I understand that the day of March 16th, 2018 will always be the day that a 16 first beat a one. Here's a couple comments. Number one, all these people, folks, who are saying, I never thought this was going to happen are idiots. Wrong. We've talked about this every right. day on this podcast. Of course, this is going to happen. Right. We had a year. We had a year a few years ago where two 15 seeds be two seeds. The exactly. idea that it's never going to happen. It was. We talked about it. I said it. It was never more likely to happen than this, this, this year. year. Virginia also was playing without a key piece. Do not listen to people who are on the fringe of basketball knowledge who say, oh, DeAndre Hunter, who is that? He only averages eight point eight point eight points per game. Baloney. DeAndre Hunter was at worst their second best all-around player. You want to well, give just, Guy just, 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 or Jerome? Call, Absolutely. He was. Call, call, call it what it is. He's their most NBA ready player, right? 100% Gus. He may declare. He could declare after this year. That wouldn't why, be the and, craziest and by, and by thing the I've way, ever heard. If you're him, why wouldn't you at this point? Like your value could not be higher right now if you're DeAndre Hunter. Go declare for the draft. But Gus, no one's talking about this because they're saying the idiotic statement of, well, he's really going to make a 20-point difference. If you're saying that, you're not a sports fan. Go play chess and do something else. You know how it works. You take the component out and the floodgates open. It's like saying, oh, is one more drip going to make my ceiling cave in? Yes, eventually one drip will. If he was in this game, I will say it now. Don't at me on Twitter. At yourself. If DeAndre Hunter played this game, Virginia wins the game. That is what happens because it's not tied at the half. It's probably an 8 to 10 point lead. And then UMBC's not chucking threes from half court, not caring if they go in. It's a domino effect. It's Murphy's Law. It's the butterfly effect. It changes everything. But 
that doesn't stop the fact that UMBC, who lost to Albany by 40 about a month ago, got hot, <laughs> played great, tremendously well coached by Coach Odom. Jarris Lyles is a fantastic senior. They got great chemistry. They played their guts out. And by the way, not only did they beat Gus Virginia, they beat him by 20. <laughs> Blew him out of the water. Because like, Dr. Tony and I got to watch the rest of this game together. It was unbelievably historic, and we were like – we were just like trying to find words to put it in perspective. And it got to the point where we knew that UVA could not come back due to their uh, offensive inefficiencies and the way that they operate on offense. And we're just like, what, how did, like, how did we even get to this point? And we reflected back upon Hunter not being there on the offensive side and the defensive and side. And the defensive side. They were getting killed right. on the boards, Gus. Forget the threes. They couldn't get a rebound. They couldn't get a yeah. rebound in the second half. Yeah, I think, I think, this is why this is why we have competition. Like, why are we assuming that a metric is going to tell us what human beings can do? I love that human beings decided this game and not metrics or numbers. I love that human beings decided who was going to win this game. And really, when we're talking about March Madness and we're talking about sport in general, What's the thing that we always end the sentence with or end the conversation with? It's always, who did you win? Like, even my daughter, they don't keep score and they don't have a scoreboard at their basketball game. Like, the con- the part of the conversation always comes, like, with whoever she's talking about her game for this weekend. Hey, how'd you guys do? Did you guys win? It's just that simple. And I love that human beings had an impact on this and said, yeah. We won, and we won in the biggest upset fashion of all time in our sport. And guys, listen, I'm not taking anything away from it. It's historic. It's wonderful. It's what I wanted to see happen, and it happened. But you can't say – DeAndre Hunter played in every game up until the end of the season. It's not like he went out, they won three games, and then got seeded first. He played Mm. with a fracture hand and had eight points in the last game. So it's a difference. You can't measure it. That's why, and the 20 point win gust to me, it's great. It's phenomenal. It's historic. I felt like a little like, I mean, you just, when the 16 beats a one, did you really think they're going by 20? So, yeah, you, I, I'm yeah, looking, you, you thought it'd be yeah. one of those like buzzer beater or, you know, like really dynamic right. or coaching shots yes. that, that, yes. that can make it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I would like the game to be in doubt within the last four minutes. I'm not taking anything away from it. I'm just saying the Middle Tennessee State game to me with Michigan State was more drama than this one. Because as you said, this one's over. Ten minutes left. It's over. It's it's Done. totally they can't do it. And they and a lot of things happen. And listen, if JP McCura got hurt, do you think I'd be complaining right now if Texas Southern won? Of course not. But it is part of the narrative. So to me it's not as shocking. Totally flab what's shocking to me is twenty points. That's what's shocking to me. Sure, sure. I would agree with you on that part. I would agree with you on the um, margin of victory. Sure. And last thing, really quick, then we'll move on. People are criticizing Tony Bennett. They're saying Tony Bennett will be remembered for this for the rest of his life. His name will be attached. Baloney. Folks, Tony Bennett is getting max value out of the talent. He doesn't have the five-star recruits that Duke and North Carolina get. He doesn't have that. The fact that he wins ACC regular season and tournament titles with this talent 
is the miracle. There's nothing wrong with Tony Bennett's system. He doesn't have to change anything. These are the type of players he's going to coach at Virginia, and he's doing a great job. The uh, DeAndre Hunter is one of the top recruits that he's gotten in a long time. So people yep. are saying his system doesn't work. No, his system works great. He's getting right. max value out of his talent. If he coached five-star players across the board, he'd change. He's consistent, sustained success. If J- South Dakota State is going to jack threes at, at a tie game with no one in the basket, that's what they do. This is what Tony Bennett does. I understand. Three number one seeds, last five years, no final fours. Malachi Richardson, I got it. But honestly, this doesn't take anything off of Tony Bennett to me. I think that's ridiculous. Okay, here are my three things on that super fast. Number one, I think Coach Izzo is sending him a thank you note saying, like, thank you for taking me off the list of the biggest upset ever. Maybe. Um, second thing, do you think Tony Bennett eventually, uh, uh, you know, sways or bends his uh, ways a little bit just like a, a coach in his conference did recently within the past five years and starts recruiting some of these one-and-done type players like Coach K. Coach K was in the same boat as, as Coach Bennett not five, six, seven years ago and did not have those types of players coming into his program, and now he does, and now he's in the Sweet 16 and has lottery pick after lottery pick. So you're curious to see does Coach Bennett maybe go borrow a page from Coach Cal or Coach K and say, like, hey, look, We've had this much success, but to take the next level, I need a player like this on my team. That would be an interesting uh, twist or bend on things moving forward. And then the last thing is, yes, I think there needs to be an adjustment to their pace of play. Because if you're going to play the slowest pace in your sport, then that creates too low of a variance for the other team and does not create enough opportunities for you to come back if you do get down. So I think you'll see a change in that moving forward as well. I wonder if Virginia's admin is going to agree to that, but they certainly should because the guy's a phenomenal coach. Three quick ones left for uh, for Friday night, Gus. 9.40 p.m., number 11, Syracuse 57, number 6, TCU 52. Seven time in eight seasons, the winner of the late Thursday fi- first four game has advanced. They advance into the round of 32. Great call here, and I, I I don't know. I have a blind spot for Syracuse. I, maybe I just thought they weren't going to get in. They didn't pass the eye test. But, man, did they prove me wrong here, and that zone continues to cause problems to people that haven't seen it, even a coach that's dealt with it over and over again, both in the Big East and in the ACC with Jamie Dixon. 9.50 p.m. This one annoys me. I don't know why I just didn't listen to my gut. Number nine, Florida State, 67. Number eight, Missouri, 54. Enough of right. Michael Porter. Enough of right. Michael Porter. That what right. Everybody said, okay. I knew he wasn't going to have a big impact, but I still thought Florida State was so – they came in, I think, losing, what, three of four, three of five. I thought Missouri would get by him. They jumped out to a 42-20 halftime lead. They shot 46.7% from three-point range and held Missouri to 32% from the field. I think Porter had like 15 points. He was like 3 of 17, something ridiculous like that. The kid hasn't played any games, and we're already christening him. Florida State moves on. Three things here. Number one, Porter had a double-double. He was definitely going for his, and he looked a little heavy and a little sluggish as far as like what we've seen from him and what I remember. Uh, Florida State does have athletes all over the floor, and they definitely out-athleted uh, Missouri, which you didn't think was going to happen necessarily. And you thought that maybe the coaching uh, matchup here would be in a little favor of Missouri, uh, but I I, I guess not. Uh, And I think we just have to give kudos to Florida State because Florida State, they lose literally three NBA players last year off of their roster. This almost makes no sense. They, you know, they, 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 they lose Isaac, they, they lose Bacon, uh, uh, they lose uh, uh, Mays. 
All of those guys have gotten a cup of coffee or have played major roles in, in the NBA uh, this particular year. So you thought like, oh, you're going to lose three NBA players? Like you're going to have a down year and boom, look what happens. That's why we love our sport. And last one, 9.57 p.m., number five, Clemson, 79, number 12, New Mexico State, 68. Senior Gabe DeVoe and junior Sheldon Mitchell combined for 45 points as Clemson took a 12-point halftime lead, and they won comfortably. Zach Lofton led all scores, 29 points. Totally rooting for the Aggies here. Uh, I'm just going to you know say that out loud. And if you have not read or looked over or listened to Zach Lofton's postgame comments and how he felt as a departing senior and his words about his program and his coach – Go do so. You will be you'll you'll love the sport even more and you'll love what that Aggies program does even more. And you'll become a fan because his words were unbelievably uh, convincing. They were meaningful. Um, they, they were really uncommon. Uh, and I think that they, they really define what kind of kid he is and what kind of program that they have. All right. Before we get to the weekend games, we've got 32 down, 16 to go. Folks, people ask us all the time where we bet because they know that we do bet. We do do fishy lines. We talk about the spreads and they want to know where we bet. And the answer is very simple. MyBookie.ag. They have the fastest payouts in the business. And right now for Screen the Screener podcast listeners, if you use the promo code SVS, that's right, the promo code SVS, you will get a 50% bonus for your deposit up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $200, they give you $100. You deposit $500, they give you $250. They have in-game wagering. They have live wagering, whole bunch of things. We love the site. We know you will too. Use the promo code SDS, open an account for at least $45, and my bookie will give you up to 50% back on that initial deposit. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag. Let's move into the Saturday games here. Good slate here on Saturday as well. Number one, Villanova, 81. Number nine, Alabama, 58. Gus, early on, Dante DiVincenzo, five first-half threes. Villanova cruises, uses a 49-point second half, and they crushed Alabama. Wanted to see Sexton play against another top-level guard like Brunson. Definitely didn't get what you were hoping for here, especially in the second half. You hope that Alabama would match up a little bit better athletically. Villanova showing why they're the one of the best teams in the country and why they're dynamic and, you know, different on the offensive end. I think this just kind of told the truth about Villanova. And I, I don't know if you're not picking them to win the whole thing with the 16 teams that remain, you might be doing yourself a disservice and maybe looking in the wrong spot. Number two, Duke, 87. Number seven, Rhode Island, 62. Blue Devils, 58% from the field. All five starters in double figures. Rhode Island can't do anything without a big inside against them. Uh, side note, Mike Krzyzewski passed Pat Summit. Most wins all time in either men's or women's basketball. And Duke, Gus, 24th, Sweet 16 under Coach K. Impressive on multiple fronts. Impressive that he was able to get this team to the Sweet 16 after being so uh, being questioned and being uh, so polarizing early on in the season, especially on the defensive end. It seems like they've really bought into the defensive framework that Coach K has laid out, and and that again, I, I want to say Duval. If Duval is going to be like this uh, convincing and this potent on the offensive end, but definitely on the defensive end as well, like be a little disruptive on the defensive end, then this team is unbelievably – they can be one of those teams that challenges Villanova for this title. Number five, Kentucky 94. Number 13, Buffalo 75. Buffalo hung around. The Bulls hung around, kept it close in Boise. Love Boise. But freshman shy Gilgis Alexander's 27 points on 10 of 12 shooting. He is getting very hot at the right time. Led the Wildcats. Kentucky was tested, but really, Gus, they only trailed in this game when it was 2-0, and that was only for 15 seconds. 
Yeah, I think Shai Gilders Alexander might be one of those players that we take a back a look on this particular tournament and we say, oh, wow, he really exploded in this tournament and went bananas and like shoots up draft boards. That's the way he's trending currently. And if you're Coach Cal, you have to love that from your lead guard. Number 11, Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean is into the 16, 62 uh, wins 62-61 over Tennessee. Their last Sweet 16, Gus, ironically, 1985, when the tournament first expanded to 64 teams, but they advance on senior Clayton Custer's jumper that bounced around and just finally fell through. Uh, Vols couldn't answer. Senior Andre Jackson had 16 points off the bench to lead the Ramblers. Tennessee was playing without Kyle Alexander, starring center Kyle Alexander, but they did get 14 from Admiral Schofield. So you love that Loyola Chicago is playing the role of Cinderella in the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, the Retrievers got to play that role the first weekend and, and was, you know, couldn't have played the role any better. Loyal Chicago's a really unique and really interesting program. They have a cultural history that will get played up this entire week that I think everybody should pay attention to. We're not going to talk about it here, but I think if you, 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 you know, you hear the backstory on this program, pay attention to it. It's really interesting. And I think it speaks well and plays well in the current cultural climate that we're living in current, uh, right now. Um, but how many more great shots do you want from this team? I mean, you got Custer, you got Ingram, you got, you got everybody going over and hugging uh, sister Jean on the sidelines. Again, we talked about how this might be the story of the, uh, of the of the tournament, and really it just might be the most heartwarming story of the tournament. Alexander got a hip bruise in the right state when and did not play. That could have been the difference, but either way, Loyola Chicago with a great win. They're the best passing team left in this tournament. Number one, Kansas 83. Number eight, Seton Hall 78. Only thing I want to say about this game is you can't tell me that this team, now that Texas A&M has gone on their run, Gus, the number one most disappointing team when we do our end-of-the-year wrap-up to me is Seton Hall. Way too much talent on this team to be 10-8 and in the Big East. They gave Kansas all they can handle. Carrington was great. Delgado went bonkers. Absolutely crazy. And that's why him not getting the ball time after time in the second half is just infuriating. Nice win for Kansas. Seton Hall. Kevin Willard. Ugh, totally, totally underperformed this year. Isn't this just a repeat of like how they played against Villanova? Isn't it just the exact same game, maybe with the score pumped up a little bit? They're so close to being a great team. They scratched so tightly against one a number one seed both times in both Villanova and, and Kansas. Villanova during the regular season, Big East season, uh, a Big East uh, regular season, and during Kansas uh, here in this particular tournament, uh, in this particular opportunity. Angel Delgado played an idiosyncratic type game. He was unbelievably dynamic. 2020 game. Why wouldn't you get him more paint touches? Uh, Carrington did everything he could in the final minutes to bring this team all the way back and make shot after shot, three-pointer, runner. But at some point, don't you just have to say, like, maybe this is their ceiling and maybe this is just where they were end up to be. They were just one of the top 32 teams in the country and that's it. Like, may- maybe that's just all they are. And so I think that's that might be a fitting end to the Seton Hall season, and it might be a fitting end to uh, those seniors that played so well and and you know had a great career as Pirates. And you, I, I was kind of rooting for Angel Legato to get one more game, to be honest, man. There's no way a team with this much talent should end as a, a, in this spot. Just no way. It's just a, a terrible performance this year, massively underachieved. 
Gonzaga 90, Ohio State 84. Gonzaga was on fire. They had two back-to-back runs here, and they held off both of them. Uh, they were up 15-0 on Ohio State, not even five minutes in. Buckeyes rallied and led midway through the second half, but Zach Norvell Jr., who seems to be the, a man on a mission for them, 28 points, 12 rebounds, Bulldogs moving to the Sweet 16. Let's not forget about Rui Hachimura in this game, too. This is the game where he had kind of exploded and went for 20-plus, and he did everything you could hope for for a guy off the bench. Uh, Tilly did not have a game that he had similar to the West Coast Conference, uh, so you needed somebody else to step up. Uh, uh, Rui was the guy, uh, but I tell you what, Zach Norvell Jr. is playing – he's playing like one of the best players in the country, not just like one of the best players on his team. That guy is fearless – He is uh, unbelievably uncommon with his left-handed step-back jumper. Uh, He jacks it from deep with confidence. I'm really impressed with how they're playing. And again, we said one of the keys for this particular Gonzaga uh, lineup and this this edition of the Bulldogs was their backcourt doesn't have to do too much. Perkins and Melson just have to kind of like take care of the ball and do their thing and not turn it over. And that's exactly the script that they're following right now. Um, so you want to see what they do against a very athletic Florida State team moving forward. Hashimura is a difference maker. He just gives them another scoring option. Until he's not really a post guy, Hashimura can post up. He just makes him so versatile on offense. He was tremendous. Number six, Florida fell to number three, Texas Tech. Texas Tech wins 69-66. Florida had two looks, by the way, pretty good looks for threes at the end of the game. With two of their best three-point shooters. Yep, and Keenan Evans does what Keenan Evans does. Had 22 points, three of four from three. Zaire Smith dunking all over the place, 18 points. Gators were only 39% from the floor and six of 22 from three. Texas Tech looks really good. I'm telling you right now, Gus, this is the team Villanova does not want to see. They're going to, Villanova is going to have a war against West Virginia. West Virginia moved on here against Marshall. Villanova is going to have a war against them. They're going to be exhausted. Two days later, if Texas Tech beats Purdue, Purdue right now is, is under man, but let's say Texas Tech beats them. The athletic players, Zach Smith, Zaire Smith, all over the place. Keenan Evans can match up with Jalen Brunson. This is the matchup. It's Butler on steroids, this team. Keenan Evans is a stud. He's just a flat-out stud. The amount of like the, the amount of dynamic plays that he made in the final two minutes of this game were absolutely amazing. He had, his his crossover breakdown was absolutely crazy. I'm so impressed with him. I, maybe I wasn't paying as close attention to him as I should have during the regular season. I am so happy that he's healthy and having the opportunity to shine. And kudos to you for calling this Texas Tech team to have success in this tournament because that's exactly what they're doing. And final game on Saturday, Houston gave Michigan everything they could handle. Michigan wins on a pool three at the end of the game. Michigan wins 64-63. Jordan Poole stuns Houston after a couple missed free throws by Devin Davis in the last few seconds. Rob Gray had another great game, 23 points, 10 rebounds, but it wasn't enough. Poole hits a three at the buzzer, sending Michigan to the Sweet 16. Great coaching, right? That, that, that was the difference there. Great coaching. They pra- You heard in the post-game conference how many times they practiced that play thousands of times and how many times that pool got the ball in the exact same spot. 
And you, you know, we both, you and I, like kidded about like the the post game interview with Coach Beeline and how impressed we were with him, like of how many options they had. Like you know, you know, Rockman could totally take the ball to the hoop if he had an opening. He, he got double he's teamed. Just, he's talking like he's, he's Rain awesome. Man. You know, we had backside action going on there. I mean, loved it. Everything has a purpose with Beeline. Everything yeah. has a purpose, and they practice this. But despite that, Houston almost took him. That's true. Uh, Houston, kudos to you and the Cougars. Love. You know what? Here's an overarching thing that we haven't talked about and I had in my mind that we were going to talk about on the podcast. Karma plays a role. Like Houston had good karma. They, 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 you know, they did all of that goodwill early on in the season for when uh, their community was absolutely ravaged by Mother Nature. And, and, and Houston put out that, you know, put out that request for give us clothes, give us T-shirts, give us shoes that we can just pass around to people in the community that need it. Like karma plays a role. And I think the karma like definitely helped Houston find their way and give us two of the most memorable games that we could hope for in this tournament um, with their first round win and Rob Gray making that unbelievably driving layup. And then unfortunately just being on the other end of it here with this pool shot. All right, partner, let's turn to Sunday. Here we go. We got eight games left. It started with Purdue 76, Butler 73. I wasn't sure how this one was going to go. No Isaac Haas. Butler came out hot early, but Vincent Edwards played fantastic. He had 20 points for Purdue. They needed every bit of it. Carson Edwards, P.J. Thompson, Dakota Mathias had a big three at the end of the game. Purdue survives in advance, 76-73. Keelan Martin, 29 points. Ball went 14, but that was pretty much it for Butler. So the Boilermakers, despite the injury to Haas, move on to the Sweet 16. One of the things that you and I and Dr. Tony were talking about when we were watching uh, Purdue earlier uh, in the weekend was, is Thompson going to show up and make a shot? I felt like he hadn't made a shot in about a month. I felt like he was just kind of doing his thing, kind of not being, you know, not not making any sort of offensive uh, contribution whatsoever. But guess what? In these first two games, he has. And if he continues to play this way, I'm not saying he has to score double digits. I'm not saying he has to go out and put up 20 plus. I'm saying he has to hit open shots. He has to find the creases in the de- in the defense. He has to um, be a threat that somebody has to close out on, and then he's got to make his free throws, unlike he did in this particular game that made uh, that gave uh, Kamar Baldwin like uh, an unbelievable like Butler-ish uh, uh, type uh, three-point runner uh, at the buzzer. Very uh, uh, you know, uh, very championship game like for Butler a couple of a bunch of years back versus Duke. Um, but like, if he's going to play this well, then I think that Butler can absorb. I'm sorry, I think Purdue can absorb the loss uh, of um, of Haas while they plug in harm and, and, and maybe, you know, throw in a couple of other, uh, you know, play Klein a little bit more. But Thompson is the key. If he can be slightly more efficient than he has been uh, at the end of the regular season in the Big Ten tournament, then I think that they might have part of the solution there. I don't think they're going anywhere with Matt Painter. I put this out on Twitter. Minute left mm-hmm. to go. They're up 73-71. Painter subs out Carson Edwards for Ryan Klein. Questionable. So questionable. I mean, and Edwards could have guarded Jorgensen, Gus. There was other people on the court. Then Purdue inbounds the ball. They get immediately fouled because Butler has only five fouls. He then, with the ball at half court, chooses to leave Carson Edwards on the bench, who's an 82% free throw shooter and his best ball handler, when you're up two and they're playing defense trying to get the ball back. I don't buy it. I just don't trust the guy in a big spot. I think it's a great win for them. And if they somehow got the next one, that'd be even incredible. I just don't trust Matt Painter. I don't think he's good enough coach to get to a Final Four. I think that in this particular game, he was still trying to figure out what he was going to do without his trusted big man. And by the way, this is just my over, you know, this is just my big picture thing on Purdue. 
maybe not having him in there solves some of the problems that they have to figure out on offense. Like maybe they just jack up a whole bunch of threes. Maybe they just follow the trend of college basketball that, that it should be heading and, and put up a couple threes, more threes than you're used to because you have great three point shooters and force the team to adjust. Like maybe this, maybe like this injury helps answer one of those questions. I don't know. But we'll we'll find out moving forward. The most bizarre result of the day, number seven, Texas A&M, 86, number two, North Carolina, 65. Now, look, we have talked that North Carolina has troubles with large bigs. We've talked about this. We talked about how Luke May is nullified by those large, large bigs. He was 6 yeah. of 16, only three, 13 points in this game. Joel Berry had his normal 21, but was only 2 of 10. But Texas A&M has all the talent in the world, but sure enough, that after being not making a shot for the first six minutes against Providence, they are now on fire. Tyler Davis, 18 and 9. Robert Williams, 8 and 13. Gilders made two threes. Starks made two threes. Hogue made three threes. A lot of talent. This wouldn't have surprised me in November, Gus, but it certainly surprised me now. North Carolina is out. It's so ironic, right? Because this is the way that North Carolina has played traditionally for a number of years, and this is how they, you know, help them win their 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 national championship. Um, you know, this is how they made a national championship game with with Bryce Johnson. You know, they they play the two bigs, and that's exactly the way Texas A and M has played um, this entire season, and that's exactly the bugaboo that they ran into the own their own homegrown recipe. And they didn't have the manpower and the roster to combat it. You figure if Tony Bradley is back and doesn't go to the NBA draft uh, in 2017, that maybe this is a different story. And, and maybe, you know, North Carolina isn't a two seed. Maybe they're a one seed. And maybe we're talking about um, uh, UNC and, and Gonzaga rematch in the finals because maybe uh, Zach Collins doesn't go to the NBA draft. And both those teams have like an, an extra big man on their roster. And that's that's the conversation that we're having now. But as it is, they, they got exposed. Um, I, they got exposed because they didn't have the personnel on their roster to combat the two big lineup that Texas A&M can put out. In what can only be termed a massively disappointing season, Michigan State loses to Syracuse 55-53 when Syracuse shoots 35.7% from the field. Michigan State, all the karma came back. They couldn't make shots. They had no real point guard leader. Cassius Winston at 15 on 4 of 12 shooting. Bridges never developed, got in some ways worse than he was last year, Gus. Only 11 Mm. points. They were 25% from the field against his own like they had never seen his own before. They can't run it. And Syracuse, as an 11 scene, Jim Beheim shrugs his shoulders. They're in the Sweet 16. Michigan State is out. Look, if your best player is going to shoot four for 16 or four for 18 or whatever Bridges was, number one, sit him down. Right, Coach Izzo? Get him out of the game. You love running guys in and out of your lineup. Like, put 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 Schilling in there. Put McQuaid in there. Get him out of there because he is not hitting jack smack. He's not hitting the side of a barn with a, with a shovel full of S. You know what we're saying. So, number one, like – as tough as it is, sit your best player down for a few minutes. Let him regroup on the bench and then put him back in. I don't know if that happened during the game. I think that that needed to happen if he's going to jack up that many misses. Uh, number two, like 
I can't believe Syracuse has done it again. This is insane. How many times are they going to make this type of run with the zone, with having just a very, like, uh, I, I don't know, very pedestrian regular season and being one of the teams that we argue and scream about getting into the tournament and don't pass the eye test, and now they're in the Sweet 16. I don't get it with Syracuse. They are definitely a blind spot for me. I, I, I did not, like, forecast this on any level at all like on any like scenario i had in my head i didn't see this happening at all and yeah i think you mentioned the karma and maybe the karma with this program and this university like maybe that played a role in this too like i, I of course like you know none of us are witch doctors or, or fortune tellers and can figure that out or, or palm readers but at the same time may, maybe karma does need to come into some of this and then and, and we can just move forward and and feel good about the teams that are left and know that all of them are um I don't know, have some good vibes around them. So Michigan State definitely found the finish line earlier than they wanted to. Well, let's talk about a team that you do feel good about. about. The Nevada Wolfpack oh. score the second biggest comeback in NCAA history. One bigger was that BYU comeback against Iona in the playing yeah. game when they were down 25 uh. points. They rally from down 22 against one of the top defensive teams in the country, Cincinnati. They win 75-73 in an amazing comeback. It matches that Duke comeback against Maryland in the Final Four when Jay Williams went Uh bananas in the last part of the game. What a phenomenal comeback. Legendary game. Terrible loss for Cincinnati. An amazing win for Nevada, the Martin brothers, Jordan Caroline, Stevens, haul off the bench. Gus, take it away. How great is this Nevada team? How incredible is this Wolfpack squad? How great of a coach is Coach Musselman? How excited are the Wolfpack fans? This is outrageous. If you are going to tell me that you're going to come back against the number two rated team defensive efficiency numbers via Ken Palm and come back, not double digits, but come back from 22 points down and do it with a limited roster and the roster that is limited is injured and you're going to play with that much passion and that much urgency, what else do you want from March Madness? We started this whole entire tournament off with an unbelievably beautiful game with URI in Oklahoma, and it went into overtime, and you were hoping like, man, I hope that this just continues the entire weekend and we get this spoiled. And guess what we did, and this game was part of March Madness spoiling us. This game, if you missed it, you need to go back and hit the replay button on it. Go watch the second half of this game because this Nevada Wolfpack team played with unbelievable unbelievable passion, absolute urgency on both ends of the floor, and gave Cincinnati everything that it could hope for and everything that it didn't want on all fronts. And guess what? If you're Cincinnati and you're playing a Wolfpack team that has Jordan Caroline, that's not afraid of anybody. If you have a, if you're playing a Wolfpack team and you got Cody Martin, an oversized point guard that is not afraid to bring it and do what he does. And he had an outstanding game this game. Holy smokes. Did he play his tail off? And if you have a, a hobbled Caleb Martin, that's, you know what? I'm going to make a couple shots here to be impactful on my team for sure. And if you have Kendall Stevens, who's playing with a hurt hand and is still going to put up big shots and make big and, and put up big numbers, man, I'm so impressed. I'm so excited they made the Sweet 16. I think I was just a year early on them predicting them to yeah, have sure. such yeah, sweet success. Yeah. Man, congratulations, Wolfpack. Hashtag battle. 
At the 11.34 mark of the second half, Gus, Cincinnati's up 65-43 in a Cumberland layup. Now, he fouled out with five minutes left, and when he fouled out, they were still up six points. That is the difference, but I will take the flip side. First of all, kudos to Nevada. Fantastic. They got Mojo going. They're so wonderful. They come overcome the injuries and still play and not get in foul trouble. That's what's amazing. Like, they're able to get stopped without and rebounds without getting in foul trouble. Can we bring up one other number as well? You talk about the foul trouble. Against again, against the number two ranked team with defensive metrics via Ken Palm, they had two turnovers. Cody Martin is a magician with the ball. I don't know how they only had two turnovers this game and he took such great care of the ball. What a great job ball handling and coaching wise for this team. Holy smokes. And Cincinnati, terrible loss. Mick, you're never gonna get an easier path than you had here. You had nope. a hurt. Un- undermanned Nevada team. You were up 22 points. I'm not buying it. I don't want to hear about Gary Clark anymore. I don't care about the metrics. I don't care what it's plus <laughs> minus. He had 11 freaking points. So what he had 10 rebounds. Washington had more rebounds. So what if he had 11 points? E- Evans and Cumberland had more points. I don't want to hear about it. He may be a great guy. I feel like people like him because he's a really great guy. That's fantastic. He, he, he is a great guy. He, he's not he, the best player in the conference. It's ridiculous. Is he even the best player on his team? I don't think so. I mean, I like I like Jake Evans better. It's just it's just frustrating. Mick, you had a layup. Man, I'm sorry. Very frustrating. You finally had Kane Broom on the court at the end. But it didn't work out. Great comeback for Nevada. I don't want to take anything away from them. But just frustrating if you're a Cincinnati fan because if you ain't winning this game, who do you think you're going to beat on them? Are you going to go down screen, back screen against, against Duke? Are you going to go down screen, back screen against Kansas? Who are you going to beat to get there? It certainly didn't happen here, but tremendous win. Can't say enough about it. Man, you know what, you know what else we need to talk about too? How tough of a sports weekend is it for Ohio and Cincinnati, huh? Man. Got Xavier dropping out. You got Cincinnati dropping out. You have, uh, uh, you know, the Ohio State uh, losing to Gonzaga. That's that's a tough trifecta there, man. It, I I hope they have a great baseball season. How about that? Clemson destroys Auburn, eighty four fifty three. Tigers doing a great job here with. Without- I, I don't I don't I don't get it. Do you get it? I don't get it. Well, I do get I get it in the fact that Clemson is less uh, affected than Auburn is. Clemson is closer to what they used to have than Auburn was. Auburn with another stellar 21.9% three-point shooting performance (laughs) on the road. But Clemson is undermanned, and so is Auburn. But Clemson can do what they can do. Gabe DeVoe, best player on the court, 22 points, was fantastic. And they get key contributions. Marquise Reed, 16 points. Mitchell, 10 points. Thomas had 18. They got out early. They made some shots. They forced some turnovers. They out-rebounded Auburn 50-32. to 32, Just pounded them inside. Auburn, smell you later. I think that's a key number there. I think the rebounding number really tell, helps tell the story because sometimes the rebounding number uh, also speaks to the effort part or the execution part or the, you know, or the scouting part. So I think all three of those things played into this result. And this result just got ugly and it stayed ugly and it didn't get any better in the second half. You're hoping for Auburn to come back. But I think Auburn... You know, you, you saw the precursor against College Charleston. They didn't shoot it great from three. They turned the ball over a ton, and they just did the exact same thing again and then actually got out-rebound against Clemson, and that's what's going to happen if you do those three things against a decent team like Clemson. 
Boy, UMBC is out. They lost fifty to forty three to Kansas State, but boy, yeah. did they they were like they like the zombies from Thriller coming up from the ground. Kansas State wins fifty to forty three. A sloppy game, a lot of strips, a lot of loose balls here, but they yeah. wouldn't quit UMBC. Lyles only four fifteen, but he did lead him with ten points. Uh and on Kansas State side, they just made enough plays. Junior guard Barry Brown made enough plays. They also play without Wade again, which was key. I think if they had Wade, they went comfortably. He had 18 points. They locked down, they rebounded, and they outworked UMBC to get the feistiest 16 seed we've ever seen out of the tournament. Not only did they not get blown out um, in this particular game, but they played live. And, it, you know, this is. This is a two-possession game with two minutes to go. This is not like, you know, Kansas State was sweating. Like, they, they, they were worried about this particular game. And you know what? Sneed, Sneed made the big plays down the stretch. He had a, he had a follow-up yep, dunk. Very true. Uh, he had that nice baseline jumper, right? Um, so as much as uh, we want to champion Brown as the leading scorer, Sneed made some key plays in crunch time. And all of those Kansas State players played big minutes. All of them played like you know, 34, 35, 36 minutes. Um, so he really leaned on those guys without uh, their leading scorer and best player, Dean, like you mentioned. Um, so I can't believe Kansas State is in the Sweet 16. And I also can't believe that they made the Sweet 16 with the path that they had to get there. And that is why we love our sport. Florida State, the nine seed, upsets number one Xavier, sends our second number one seed out of there, 75 70. Florida State played close in the first half, 34-32. They're not a great shooting team, only 43% from the field, but they worked hard. They matched Xavier on the boards. They made some key stops down the stretch, got a couple key one-and-dones. Xavier got 17 points from Makura. He had a great game again, but he fouled out on a, on a charge there. Mack went nuts, but I saw the end of the game. I thought there was a lot of bad calls both ways, so as usual, mm-hmm. I feel like it evens out. Trayvon yep. blew it. Florida State keyed on him. He only had eight points. And this was my point about Xavier all along. They are a one-dimensional pony. They got a great game from Karim Cantor. And if it wasn't for that, this game wouldn't have really even been that close. This was my problem. I expected Blewett to have the 17 and Makura to have the 8. Quentin Gooden doesn't give them enough. And sure enough, Xavier goes out. Florida State, no one's got him. But they're moving on after losing like three of the last four. Moving on to the Sweet 16. I got three things from this game. Number one, Florida State matched up really well athletically with Blewett. Blewett is an unbelievable player. He's a first or second team All-America without question. Uh, This season, his season cannot be questioned uh, with the greatness that uh, he played all season. However, he is a bit limited athletically. That's why he decided to come back and not enter the NBA draft after last season. And Florida State has nothing but athletes. So I think that was an interesting matchup there. Number two, uh, I, I equate the Blewett, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Makura fouling out to your Cumberland fouling out for, uh, for Cincinnati. And I think once that happened, I think that kind of changed the, the dynamic and the narrative of this particular game. And man, very similar to Cincinnati. You had like a path where Xavier could make a final 100%. four. And, 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 and it would seem feasible now that UNC was out of there. Yes, you have to face, you know, the, the, the uh, team that made the, the championship game in the next round, but it wasn't an impossible mountain to climb. And, and maybe that got in the way. Maybe that clouded the vision during the last four minutes. I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but man, 
again, if you're going to bookend this tournament with an overtime game uh, of URI and Oklahoma and a one seed dropping to a nine seed, I'll take it every single time. And it's just the most unique sporting event that we have that we can enjoy. And I'm so happy that listeners, you decide to give us a little time to break it down for you and enjoy this greatness and this beauty and, and the, and the absolute uh, uh, convincing uh, fashion that this tournament catches our heart every single year and last game partner game number 48 well done west virginia 94 marshall 71 they blew their doors off it was never close javon carter's on a mission here we go again with the point guard with huggy 28 points four rebounds five assists one of only they had a couple guys in doubles west had 18 ahmad had 10 they put him away Marshall, nice job, nice run, but they couldn't keep up with the pressure from West Virginia. Had 18 turnovers in this game. 12 of 25, that's 48% from three for West Virginia. Hey, Villanova, you're going to have a tough time. Let me tell you something. Here come the Mountaineers. Three things on this game. Number one, hey, John Elmore, you want to play in the NBA? Yeah, guess what? You got used to playing it. Uh, you, you got a little taste of it, what you're going to uh, get in the NBA every night when you play Javon Carter. Javon Carter again taking each one of these matchups personally, took the first one with Jonathan Stark personally, taking this one with, with uh, John Elmore personally. Marshall did have some interesting uh, roster, uh, I don't know, parts to make this game kind of intriguing. Uh, they could match up like shot blocker for shot blocker. They could match up like uh, shot maker for shot maker. But I don't know if they could match up on the defensive end, and that's I think where the you know where the big gap came. Um, and then finally, for me with Marshall, I think uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but Marshall did do what we talked about, um, and, and the, you know they play with some freedom. They played with uh, allowing their guards to run pick and rolls and make decisions on their own. Uh, Coach Antoni does does do that for his roster, so I think. Because they get that first round upset, and no, did they play West Virginia t- uh, tough? No, that that didn't happen. But maybe moving forward, that next time they they face that like really tough, um, gritty team, will they play a little bit differently? Maybe. But I I think it's worth paying attention to with the Marshalls and the Buffaloes and the UMBCs and, and all the other upsets and, and changes in uh, changes in offensive approach that we're seeing in the game. And I think it's a, a welcome change, to be honest. 48 games. We went through them all. Partner, sounds pretty good to me. We'll, we'll give you another pod later on this week. Obviously, we'll talk about the matchups moving forward in the Sweet 16. We'll probably, uh, uh, you know, we'll probably frame that talk around some of the lines. So we'll talk about who we like uh, line-wise and then, you know, who we like moving forward. And then, uh, you know, maybe we'll hit you up with another little nugget along the way as well. But uh, we'll revisit with you guys before uh, you get ready for the Sweet 16 games, please do not worry. Mike and I will be working at it, busting our humps just like we have all this entire March. I'm more, uh, Mike, I, I, I was trying to add up and do some math. I think we gave the listeners over 10 podcasts uh, from March 1st up until uh, Selection Sunday. Uh, we did, and we're working hard for you here, and we appreciate it because we got our ratings. Gus had put that challenge out, but whether we can get 100 ratings by tip-off, we got 99, okay? And now we're up to 102. So if you like what you listen to, please go to iTunes. Five-star review and a positive rating would be much appreciated. Always follow the podcast if you don't already at SDS Podcast. Gus at Currents 12 myself at Randall Rant. Make sure you check out the Randall Rant site. We got the My Bookie stuff up there. We have our pods, and I'll have a short corner this week as well. And just thank you so much for listening. We love college basketball, Gus, and the listeners are with us for this crazy ride.
let's just hope the Sweet 16 is as dynamic and as lovable and as something that we can embrace as as tightly as we could for this first week. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in out there. Salancha, grazie, cheers. Arigato. Arigato.